is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As there's your host, Brandon, Joe, my co host, Nick and Dan. It is KSL part two with a good friend of the pod, Ollie Glanville. So, in case you missed it, part one of Keep Cell Alone went through the goalkeepers, the defenders, the wingbacks. This one, we're going to be going on to the midfield. So we've got much, much more content coming at you. But as we said last episode, Dan, it is Pride Month. We wanted to do something uh, charitable uh, with these episodes. They're very popular. They tend to bring in a lot of ad money, and we want to share that. Yes, and uh, we're doing that by uh, making a donation to the Trevor Project. So we're using a percentage of the ad revenue that comes in and uh, helping them and uh, further their great work of suicide prevention and crisis intervention for uh, LGBTQ youth and uh, doing that over a variety of different communication mechanisms, whether that's uh, chat or text or in-app or community-based work that they do. And so, uh, again, just a great organization and uh, helping make sure that people who are doubting whether they should be here or whether they accepted um, that they are accepted, that they should be here and uh, doing work that helps uh, save a lot of lives. So we're happy to help uh, support them, uh, particularly in this month, but any month. Correct. All right. Uh, the other thing that we want to remind everybody is um, also – Please, well, as I say, please be generous yourselves, um, and and you know try to get involved with something like that if you're if you're available to. Uh, to dance point, we also have some rules. Just want to remind everybody kind of how we structure uh, these episodes as they're you know they're really evolving into something far bigger than ourselves even. <laughs> um, uh, but at the end of the series, each individual should have a squad capable of competing in the Premier League. Everyone gets five blank spaces, uh, so we want to have twenty players total. And then at the end, the whole squad cannot be refreshed in a single period, which I've already tried. And we already know that Bully is putting up about $200 million in funds, plus anything that, you know, from player sales will go on top of that. So we're thinking that, you know, you probably get a, a couple free transfers in there, but for the most part, $200, million, $220, 240000000 to spend. Uh, and then lastly, just some considerations that uh, the Premier League is moving to five substitutes, which will be a, a big part mm-hmm. of squad composition. Uh, remember, the preseason starts in less than a month. They'll be coming stateside, which is exciting for us Americans. Uh, the Premier League season starts earlier in August, the 6th to be specific, because there's a Winter World Cup. So again, not a normal season. Uh, we, I don't, we haven't had a normal season since what, 2019 at this point. Um, so continue the chaos and the, uh, stops and starts throughout this season, uh, with the world cup. So, uh, with that being said, I guess we can jump on in to the midfielders. So, uh, Nick, we have a couple departures. I know pouring out for the homies already, so we should probably clarify who's even around anymore. Yeah. I mean, what do you say about players like Daniel, Daniel Drinkwater and, and Saul Niguez, uh, who are no longer with the Chelsea squad. Uh, they have uh, gone off to different adventures, as Dan will say, taking a different path in their careers. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so th- they are not here anymore, which means that we have uh, our current players to focus on. And Dan really started with a doozy, a, a big doozy for uh, for midfielder one no conversation will be had about a player like this for sure again alphabetical by first name it's the way that sfb ref categorizes them so i just pulled the list from there man like come on it's okay i i'm fine with it i i have an answer for you already 
So. Well, it's right. Jorginho. Surprise. <laughs> Surprise. It's Jorginho. We'll talk about him first. Uh, Brandon, uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, sometimes a uh, divisive player, in terms of opinion, can divide the fan base. And uh, 78% of people who filled out our survey, uh, which, again, might just be the people that we follow, uh, indicated that they would sell Jorginho. 21% said that they would keep him. Really excited about that sliver of loan that is just peeking out there, uh, personally. Uh, we, it's kind of interesting. I think three of us had sell. Uh, one of us had keep. So we'll, we'll unveil that in a second. Uh, on the sell side, for me, kind of midfield in general uh, was very inconsistent. Uh, with Jorginho in specific, he had a terrible season. And part of it was because he absolutely gave himself in the previous campaign, winning the Champions League. He was unbelievably crucial in that midfield pivot with N'Golo Kante. Uh, we were clean, clean sheet machines, and it started with the pressing and, and the closing down from the midfield. So much credit there should be is deserved and earned. Then he went on to the summer and won the Euros with Italy and was a big part of that team. Came back to preseason and was exhausted. Uh, then we had to like throw him in in situations where he wasn't fit, picked up a bunch of injuries, and just it never kicked off. He, like we really didn't even have Jorginho in the squad last season, um, and when we did, he was a shadow of himself, which was probably a little unfortunate for him. Yet he still somehow played more minutes last season than the previous season. <laughs> okay, so uh, the way I look at it with Jorginho is is that I'm ready to sell, and personally for me, it's because I think that we. Um, need to significantly upgrade our midfield. And I think with a player like Jorginho, if you assign someone else, now you're like fighting for a lot of like people who demand first team minutes and start every single time. I know he's cap vice captain. I, I, I think we just need a different type of player in the midfield in kind of this rebuild to go. And that's why, um, you know, Nick, Ollie and Isle said sell and Dan said keep. Boom, outed. Yeah, I mean, if I could just on the sell train, I'm... I was actually really torn on this. I think I was probably like 60, 40 on, on what I wanted to do. The reason that I want to sell him now is one, I think we've seen some of his best days. I don't know how many best days are left. So in my mind, he's a depreciating asset. And if you're able to sell him to a club for 30 to 40 million pounds, uh, club in Italy, most likely, then that is just good business. Um, you know, it doesn't solve our midfield problem, right? To to just let players go necessarily, which I know is all of your point on this. But I also think Brandon makes the point that I think we need a different type of midfield to be competitive moving forward. And I just don't think he fits that uh, positional strength. So go ahead, Ali. Give us give us your your rundown. It's a tough one because you know. Him and a midfielder we'll come to later are both depreciating assets, but one of them clearly has like world class, world leading ability. And Georgie had the season of his career. I mean, if 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 I'm being honest, I think that was his ceiling. I think he will never have a season as good as he did, which is you know, led to him being acclaimed in the Ballon d'Or list as I think he was number three, if I remember rightly. Third, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, fair play to him. That was, I, I don't think he'll ever have as good a season as that. The big proviso I have is someone has to come in. 
Like, like you don't, you can't let him go unless someone comes in. Like, you know, keeping someone like an Ethan Ampadu around uh, just in terms of backup, at, along with someone like uh, we'll come to later, like a Kante, it just it just won't work for the what we are going to try to do here this season. So, buy in someone to replace. Otherwise, you have to keep. That's why you have open slots, my man. Uh, just a reminder for Dan goes, he's only got a year left on his contract. So a decision. This is decision time for Jorginho this season regardless. Yeah. Um, you know, and then he's he's just past 30, right? So he's he's on that side of 30 as well. Uh, transfer market has him listed at 45 million euro value. Um, so there, you potentially can sell and then immediately reinvest that. You got open slots, yada, yada. But Dan, you'd like to keep him. So... I think there's the benefit that he won't be going to the World Cup, so he'll be potentially fresher than some other options. Just bringing it up. Uh, Look, I'm not looking to rub it in. I'm just looking to talk about the player. Again, this is about the player, as Nick Verlani reminded me uh, multiple times during the last podcast. It's really about the player. Um, (laughs) The other parts being is I don't know outside of one player that maybe is available that we'll talk to a, a rice size hole in terms of the uh, player we might go after. There's not, I would say two to three very obvious midfielder replacements on the market that you would go out and go after. And I think with, with Shumeni coming off the board, I think you, you had this vision, right? Of like what could be the possible for this midfield could be. And I think because that is now off the board where I would have maybe gone on the sell train, I think you keep them and you wait for that next midfield talent to become recognized, to rise above maybe the level that they are now and do the smart thing and don't panic buy a player that isn't really the right fit or you're a little less sure of, a little less certain of. Use the depreciating asset, let him leave at the end of next season and go to a place that he wants to go play as a thank you. Um, And really just, you know, benefit from him being here, being around the squad, being in the squad. uh, And and that's kind of where I'm at. All right. We got to use a couple of code names for for he who should not be named in this. Oh, no. uh, Declan Rice. Declan Rice is the player I'm talking about, Nick Verlaney. We we could go with Jasmine. Uh, We could go with Red Beans, right? Basmati. And... uh, Yeah, I heard Basmati's already been called out on on platforms. It's not cool. Yeah. Uh, Long Grain. <laughs> anyways, pilaf, <laughs> sushi, rice. Anyways, anyways, oh anyways. My God. Uh, again, you know, Jorginho is a is a specific type of player. You know, definitely not a generalist. Um, and so I think we're just swapping. In my mind, I'd like to swap this part out for a different type of part. Uh, Dan, look, we have we have a recruitment department. All right, I'm sure they can find something for us. I, I would hope. Uh, next one up is one Mateo Kovacic. Uh, for all the injury struggles he had, um, still had a, a great season, all intents and purposes. Uh, very progressive midfielder, uh, fan favorite, I think, for the most part. Uh, the four of us all said keep. Uh, the listeners said 99.2% keep, with apparently a couple people saying sell. So, you know, I think the, the sentiment is overwhelmingly there. Um, goal of the season, I believe, Ollie, uh, was the award he re- he received with the uh, Kung Fu Volley at the top of the box. Um, but yeah, you, you said keep all day. You definitely took the time to write out the extra words for Mateo. Yeah, I, I, I resist the urge to write in all caps, but this is, this is someone who um, at the time when, you know, we were, we 
had no ability to buy anyone. It was kind of a concern that we were forced into buying him. And over the last two years, he has developed as a player. And I'm, you know, I'm willing to say that I was, I was very wrong with that. I think both things were true, to be fair. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, you're talking about one of, on his day, like one of the, one of the best midfielders in the world right now. So, you know, I think it's obvious. I think the problem is he doesn't have too many days. Right. Um, you know, we, we talked about this last week, Dan, where he hasn't played or he hasn't started over 25 matches in like five or six years or something like that. And he only started 16 last year, uh, which is shocking given, given his contribution and how we all value him. Um, he needs to play more and he needs to stay healthy. Like I, I think we all are keeping him 99.2% of the, the people out there are keeping him. We just got to see more of them. And, it, you know, if it, you, you worry that he spent a lot of his prime injured. Um, so I, I think that's just a consideration as you're building your squad that availability in, in the midfield was not peak last year. Uh, otherwise, you wouldn't have played Salonagas, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, or any of the other options as much as you had to. Here's sure. A- and and to... Period. <laughs> yeah, to, to to be fair to uh, Mateo, like I also think that we, you know, didn't always sub or rotate maybe as regularly in that yeah. area. So um, I'd be very interested to see how the, you know, with um, maybe a few less uh, international trips for the uh, Club World Cup or things of that nature, um, potentially can we better manage the overall fitness of the side? Because a lot of those like, just muscle injury things popped up across the squad last season. And so I think that kind of all goes back to training and like, how are you, how many two days are you doing? How quickly, like how close are you training relative to the start of the next match? Um, All of that is going to play a part into it. And I I think it's going to be incumbent upon Tuchel and the medical staff and team and training department to figure out like, okay, how do we, how do we keep him healthy? Because he is one a alongside someone else. Well, uh, hasn't played 25 matches actually since 2014-15 with Inter Milan. So, uh, eight years. Cool. Been a little bit rough. Eight matches, 20, 10, 21, 23, 21, 16. Those are all starts, right? He got to 25 start or you know matches played and sub appearances. But ideally, he's a starter. So the good problem is we just want more of a good thing. And again, hopefully, we can put this crazy season behind us and. You know, the players can have some time off. We can hit reset and go at it again with a, a little bit of consistency. Uh, and, well, Golacan- and, and, and to, but to be fair, just like that is he he featured in total competitions, 42, 42, 47, 51, the last uh, four years. It was the Real Madrid years where he did 34, 39, 35 because he wasn't a first choice. Mm-hmm. So like he he's he's been consistent the last couple of years. Um, it's just about keeping that prolonged fitness. He's not an, a ninety minute player though. Like he yes. he almost never has been. Like that's the that's the problem. Is like you with the five subs. Obviously that that makes a difference, right? Uh, you don't yep. always point doing the five fingers to the face thing to me. Like I get it, but you know he's it's it's not as reliable as you would hope. Mm. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. Um, next one up is is Engola Conte. Um, always talking about a depreciating, a depreciating asset that was world class. 
we all want to keep him. A little bit surprisingly, he's not a clean sweep at 100%. Um, almost 88% of the people want to keep him, but there is 12% that feel like it's the right time to sell. Again, we've had this conversation for at least two seasons of like, when is the right time? I think two years ago, I was pushing him out the door. I was like, nope, this is perfect. This is the right time to do it, yada, yada. I have completely changed my tune, guys. I, I want N'Golo Kante to be here as long as he can be. There's no reason to get rid of him. There's really not much probably of a sell-on value at, you know, he's now 31. Um, and what you get out of him and just by having him around, I think far exceeds 20, 15, 20 million that you're going to get. Because again, we only paid 30, 32 for him or something crazy. So I'm just a firm believer of squeeze out as much as you can from him. Safe to say, though, his uh, his value in the market was not 32 the minute he stepped on uh, the field for Chelsea. <laughs> Great win. It was, oh, there it there was the to, drink water tax after the fact. Yeah, we, yeah no, we had, the, uh, the, the additional clause in his contract. The toll, yes, that we, that we had to pay. But, yeah, I mean, like, I, I want him to stay. Like, if you're in my scenario, if you're selling Jorginho, you have to keep Conte because you're not going to go find three new midfielders this year, right? So... I, I'm always going to keep him. I love N'Golo Conte. He's my favorite signing for Chelsea, maybe ever. I, I think he's just the best. Um, if someone not in England comes in with a ludicrous offer for him, I don't know, 70 million pounds, whatever, PSG being wild or whatever, you have to entertain it for sure. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen, so you keep him. Transfer market still and has him listed. No one's it. coming in with that offer. No one is coming in with that offer anymore. Like the, that. That's just like save the tape. Save the tape. Transfer for when it market happens. still has him listed for fifty million euro, which I think is is even high and surprising. But that I think what it goes to, guys, is that he is still an extremely good footballer. Again, I want more of a good thing with N'Golo Kante. I want him to be healthy, and I think Ali, we probably saw Chukul manage his minutes more than anyone else. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, that's for a reason, right? I mean, one of his last uh, press conferences of the season, or like he gave to, to a huddle of journalists, he basically said that N'Golo is like our Kevin De Bruyne, he's our Fabinho, he's our, you know, he is the kind of pivot that the rest of the team uh, move off, right? If if he's not right, then Chelsea isn't right. And that, and that's the extent of where we are right now. We When we picture N'Golo, we, we picture, you know, the... NG brothers where he's running midfield by himself against against the great Real Madrid midfield by himself and kind of Georgie's just laying it off to him and he's pacing through but the reality is that this season is all about finding his individual pathway to the best version of N'Golo the most consistently that we can have right and that begins in pre-season and you know in the in the Nations League he's had to he he had to leave, um, you know, the the camp with another knee injury because Deschamps overplayed him. So this is this is where we are right now. We we need to treat him as the like world class elite asset that he is, and not just overuse him and overburden him to the extent that we have. And it's it's a kind of similar thing to Jorginho. You can't overplay a player to burnout and then expect them to still fulfill their role properly and come back great every single time, we have to be intelligent. And it goes back to, you know, the five subs, right, Nick? It goes back to five subs. It also, you know, you did just throw a, a red flag up for me with the World Cup and Didier Deschamps, who... Uh, Can't be trusted. 
just absolutely a weapon as a manager. I just don't even I don't even know what's happening with that squad. But yeah, I mean, Angola is likely. I mean, if you if you look at the spacing of the season, right? He might play at the beginning and and as you ramp up to the World Cup, but then I doubt you see much of him January February. I mean, if you're being honest, like he's he's maybe like a once a week type player for a few months and then maybe closes the season strong because you, know, you anticipate France are going to do pretty well at the World Cup mm-hmm. and, and that he's going to be playing quite a bit of football in that time. And Deschamps just won't ever sub him. So, you know, it's it's like kind of sorry 2.0 a little bit with with N'Golo Conte on the French national team. And going back to what we said before, right, about um, about Jorginho. The open market right now, there just aren't the assets to buy in a replacement for someone of the caliber of Angola Kante. So to even consider selling him, you'd have to think of who's coming in. So even if we signed a he who should not be named on, <laughs> on the podcast. Declan Co- Rice. Declan Rice. Yeah, Code name Jasmine. Even Let's if we go. bring Declan Rice home, you would still need to buy another option that would will facilitate Angola's role. And whether that's Bellingham in you know 2023 when the kind of Ooh. massive fire sale comes in what a with reese james's roommate at england you know hmm. uh so <laughs> maybe, are you maybe suggesting we start... that we could tap up players as well is look, that a look, thing look i'm not it's saying a friendship nick i mean <laughs> it's merely look, a friendship i'm not saying i hate tampering i just hate it when it's not us tampering and tap tapping up so uh if we wanted to that's a great idea uh, just you know, fuck the Spanish clubs for doing it. That's that's okay. true, and 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 that's accurate. Um, again, you really couldn't find a replacement for Angola Conte. The biggest knock on him is that he does a great job finding himself in forward positions and doesn't know what to do with it. Uh, but again, like the energy, uh, the relentlessness, um, the the ease at which he you know picks people's pockets. Um, you just keep him as long as you can. You manage him. I don't want to see him play against teams like Southampton and Everton and Villa, right? I want him to be playing in the bigger matches this season. And I think this comes into development as we get to the other side of this one is these young players need to be able to battle and fight and grind through those matches and provide Chelsea with that that freedom and flexibility. So anyways, Angola Conte, uh, keep him until he literally retires, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, we're going to take our ad break, a uh, real quick break from the sponsors. We appreciate them for financially supporting the show. Uh, we're going to come back with good old Ruben, Ross the Boss, and then a couple of uh, Academy and on loan options. So again, thanks to sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well... It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable, resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things again i do it it's easy it's fast it's quick uh throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work drink it 
it it goes down quickly uh and like i said you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily uh, but hey don't listen to me athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews it's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as tim Ferriss and michael gervais so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills supplements to look out for your gut health to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so Ruben... Coming out of the break, uh, a player that we all just look at very, very fondly, especially on the podcast. We got to sit down and, and do an interview with him, which was great. Uh, such a cool guy. Um, as far as, you know, his sentiment, I think such even a cool guy. he is. He's really neat, you know? No, he's really? cool. It's better than that. He's just a swell <laughs> individual, you know? You guys are just making it to be much more awkward than it needed to be um <laughs> i think even last year we were like ready to sell ruben to kind of release him from the chelsea curse and let him go be his own player kind of like what we did with uh nat chalaba uh when he went to watford but then all of a sudden he came in and played serious minutes uh, after a terrible preseason he came in and played right wing back and striker and center back and he was the swiss army knife uh for tuchel and credit to him, had some absolutely amazing performances in midfield, which is what most people were really excited about. Uh, but Dan, it's, it's you know, again, where do you go with him, especially as we're in this like big uh, kind of changing of the tides with with new ownership and things? Yeah, I'll let Ollie get to his uh, Facebook status uh, right in here for how he's referring to the Ruben Loftus-Cheek situation. The listeners were at 70% keep, 27% sell, uh, a few individuals sending him back into loan purgatory, which, screw you. Cool. Um, <laughs> really, not, not, not kind, not kind. Uh, I would say keep. He's shown positional flexibility. He found some fitness for the first time in a really long time. Um, you know, there was that awkward moment in the FA Cup, which we should never speak about again because it was just really weird. But in general, uh, it seems like he has a role to play, seemingly could find his way back in. And you never know what happens. You know, if somebody gets injured, he gets more minutes. Maybe he hits lightning in a bottle here. But I, I think that's where you were going, Ollie, with the complicated status is it could go a lot of different ways for Ruben. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about a player that, you know, everyone at Chelsea loves. Uh, staff-wise, players-wise, you know, he's obviously a, a Chelsea boy. He loves playing here. It's always been his dream to play here. Um, Tuchel really respects him as a player, and he wants more from him. You know, there was that whole bit at the end of last season where he was saying that he needs to realise that this isn't good enough. This kind of stasis that he's occupying, this kind of limbo region, he needs to go on and become the player that we all think he can become. And that, And that's kind of how I'm approaching it. If he has another season where he's like fourth or fifth choice midfielder and he only comes in because of a host of injuries and Tuchel can't nail down a position for him, I just don't think that's healthy for him. I think he's at an age now where 
he needs to be starting, you know, once, once or twice every three games. And I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's here anymore, especially if we bring someone else in. Um, you know, I've always really loved Ruben and it, it would be really horrible to, to see him go, but unless he gets serious minutes here and Tuchel envisions a plan for him and he then kicks on and has moments like he did in Palace in the semi-final, takes the game by the scruff of his neck and just says, you know, this is me, I'm going to win this game for you, then maybe, then maybe he might have to make a change. I'm very, very happy to keep him around, obviously, you know. Yeah, I, th- I think that's where I'm at too. I, I The FA Cup thing really bothered me. Um, he felt like a sacrificial lamb in that in that scenario. And, you know, we were there to see it. And it just was very strange. I mean, 2,100, almost 2,200 minutes, 18 matches started last year, 40 matches played. You know, a lot of those were late subs, though. So, you know, count those at your own risk. Uh, one goal for assists. Uh, played right wing back, played midfield, played weird sweeper. striker, played you yeah, have sweeper role. I it's I understand what Ollie's saying, like very much in the, in the Nathan Baxter conversation from from season or from season from episode one. Uh, keeps alone. Uh, the if he doesn't play, it's probably best for his career to go on loan. I would like to keep him because of the way that my squad composition is being built. I think if you lose Jorginho, there are more minutes for him. Uh, and with the subs, there are more minutes for him. But, you know, if he were to go to Tuchel at, at the same point and say, I got to go play. I, I, so either you're going to play me or someone else needs to play me. Like, I would respect that and wish him well in either scenario. All right, so just to kind of stir the pot on this one a little bit, with Ruben, love him. Again, I I think he should stay. And honestly, I think even for his career, it's the right move to stay. Loans haven't treated him well for the most part. Crystal Palace was good for half a season, but he didn't kick on from that. Fulham was terrible. And to be fair, Fulham were terrible. I just think that if you're Ruben and you leave, what guarantee is it that that's going to jumpstart his career? Like, we've tried this with him multiple times. He's 26 now. If Chelsea are happy to have him around and want him in the squad and he's going to get opportunities throughout the season to play, it actually might just be the best thing for him to, like, take this squad player deal at Chelsea. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's on good wages. Um, Chelsea aren't going to, you know, or, you know, he, he's, he's getting a chance every single week to be there. He's probably got his life set up the way he wants. It's very comfortable. It's, it's, it's convenient. He knows what to expect. I'm not saying Ruben can't like progress on to like hit another level, but like, I don't see any guarantees that like the only thing missing for Ruben is minutes. It's injuries, it's minutes, it's confidence. There's a lot of different things. And for him, I actually think staying inside Chelsea is probably best for his career, even if there are some maybe bigger limitations for him. Um, I think his best case for success is still at, at Chelsea. So I think the loan is is not a great option for him. I don't think the loan's an option at all. I think you either keep him or you sell him. Like, if, you have to... if. 
if you decide that this is not a player, you know, and this is the Chelsea staff and Thomas Tuchel, if you decide that this is not a player that is going to add significant value to your midfield or that needs to change the scenery and that player agrees, then you just sell him. And again, he's 26. He's a monster physically. Like there's a ton of clubs out there that are looking for this particular profile of player. (laughs) Like they're going to be worried about the injuries. Sure. We are. There's no doubt about that. But I think, you know, they're the loan option, this like tiny percentage of people who want him loaned, that's not a reality. No, I mean, if anything, I could see potentially Frank picking him up at Everton, you know, is maybe like a comfortable place. I just I look around the league and I don't see a lot of great fits for him. Um, but anyways, uh, I also think Frank wants other players from Chelsea that we do not want to give him either. Well, I mean, that's part of the balancing act. So, all right. Next one up. Um uh, and you know, just preseason hero year after year. <laughs> uh, Ross the boss Barkley. Again, we don't hate players. It's about business. And the the few of you who said loan should be embarrassed. <laughs> oh my god! And and the, and the we, and we, the we, one we person really combative against the respondents to a survey. And the one person for help who said keep. Sorry. Come on now. Come on now. We we didn't need that. Uh that was, was that was Todd Bully because he got him his first win. Yeah, so well, thanks, Todd. There is that. Uh look, we had a, we've had a few clean sweeps on the keep. I thought for sure it'd be a clean sweep on the cell, yet the the listeners out there in the in the survey just couldn't let us have our day. So all of us want to sell, but Dan, um Ross the boss, I mean, there there's no future here. Mm, correct. That's it's a very astute <laughs> statement, Brandon. Busby. Can you elaborate on uh, my? That's opinion? a leading question, Your Honor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, he came, he saw, he had a chance to score a, f- a couple of fun goals. He had a chance to go be, you know. Are you talking about his Chelsea nightlife or on moments? the pitch? Oh that's, God, that's, that's a low blow. <laughs> Jeez, Brandon Busby. <laughs> he's got the straight I mean, red. Did, <laughs> he, he got he got a double red. He's, we sent him off for six pods. Oh wait, he's getting married, so it's basically the same thing. Uh, ooh, anyway, <laughs> six pod ban in your face, yeah. Busby. Uh, it it will be good for Ross. It'll be good for Chelsea to to find a path where he can go get to play regular football. Um, look, Newcastle have a ton of money. Maybe they want to spend some on one Ross Barkley. Uh, you know, that would be a fun one. Um, but there, there's plenty of Premier League sides who could take advantage and, and kind of use his skills and talents as a, as a rotational player. But he's just, you know, we need to make way for a couple of, uh, of people coming into this midfield. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's just not going to be here. Sellable age, 28, one year left on his contract. So a decision will be made this summer. Uh, look, I think... Some of us can still remember his loan to Villa and how absolute shocking that was. I mean, he was non-existent on the team this season, Nick. I mean, he had one start, 179 minutes, six matches played in the domestic leagues. You know, obviously smashed his pen in when we needed it. But like other than that, we saw him... 156 minutes in the EFL Cup, 26 in the FA Cup. It, you know, non-existent for him. Maybe our friend Maurizio Sarri wants to have him back, you know? 
maybe we're going to run it back with Sari and, and Ross Barkley, who did play a fair amount under Maurizio Sari. Um, yeah, maybe that's the move. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, he's just not he's not a Chelsea caliber player at the end of the day. So, Ollie, not quite the direction that uh, we want to take this team. Is that a, a, a respectable way to put it? Yeah, I mean... He's not a player I would build Chelsea around at this stage of his career. And I think that's kind of how he envisioned what I, I think that's what where English football pundits envisioned he would be at this stage of his career. Um, I said that it was complicated with Ruben. This isn't complicated. <laughs> he, he was he was brought in basically to come in on a cheap flip easily, like a season or so later. I think at the time when we bought him during the same window Spurs came in with an offer of like 30 million, something like that. And, and we did not accept, I, I don't know if there would be kind of loan stipulations there, but there was a, there was an opportunity to instantly flip him and we decided against that. Um, so now we are at the stage of his career where we just need to find someone and it doesn't even have to be in the Premier League. It could be Holland, like Italy, Turkey. Wherever. Yeah, Turkey. Turkey's a good one. This kind of seems to be the the home. But like I said, he's 28, you know, like someone could easily put him on three, four year contract, you know, if they feel like he fits the profile. Uh, obviously, he needs a manager to come in, put an arm around him and and really just kind of give him some assurances. And, and it's not going to be Chelsea and he's not going to be surprised. I'm sure him and his agency Wasserman have been working on the, the next step for a, a while now. So um academy talents and unknown players so billy gilmore uh, we'll start with him um pretty interesting uh season for him if you if you guys remember he immediately shot out the gate then was benched farka got sacked i don't even remember who they brought in because they were so bad dean smith dean smith good old dino who got sacked from villa let the merry-go-round ride and uh he got back in the team um so it started off as like a bright loan, ended up kind of being like a eh at the end of it. So Nick, I'll let you kind of run run through the um, the breakdown here, since I know you're one of the bigger Billy G supporters on the pod. Yeah, I, so the, it's a it's a tough one, right? I don't know if anyone really knows, to be honest. Like this is one of the very few like complete toss ups in my mind, but. Forty-nine point six percent want him to go on loan again. Nick's done 40. rounding after that first one. Yeah, let's math. <laughs> we don't need it. Um, 40.9, which rounds up to 41%. Idiots uh, are on the keep train and then nine and a half, roughly 10 on the sell train. So, yeah, this is a, a complicated one. I have, I think I'm the only one with keep here. Um, Ollie has a full paragraph that he's going to have to read out on his, but um, I. When I'm constructing my squad, right, and I'm looking at the profile of midfielder that we have or that I need to potentially replace with, you know, in my scenario, Jorginho leaving, I think he comes in and fills that Jorginho role so that we can acquire different types of talent. Again, five subs. I think he's going to get plenty of game time potentially, um, depending on how the midfield is constructed, whether we play the two or a three, I think he can fit in either scenario. Um, he's still a young player. Um, and you know, again, like this is a guy who two seasons ago, we were like, oh man, is this a, is this a starter next year? And it hasn't quite worked out for him. I want to see him again. Uh, I want to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt in my scenario to come in and play, uh, you know, let's 
you know, 1,800 minutes for Chelsea next year, 2,200 minutes, something like that. I think that'd be a good return. Dan, Gilmore. Yeah, I don't see him getting the minutes in my midfield composition. And I think for that reason, I lean more towards a loan to continue to try to find a positive pathway for him because I don't think that the last year at Norwich uh, was the most beneficial loan that we could have sent him on controversy uh, dan controversy yeah, I, I know. It's, it's, a, it's a real a real real uh real ice cold back of the freezer uh frozen overtake that i'm just dropping right here for everybody uh it's gonna need like four days to defrost it is uh it's so cold it was a bad loan it ended up being a bad loan he got minutes but it was a ter- terrible team terrible situation got heckled by their supporters like not great so just in general, like you want him to play, uh, Nick, it's about the players. Okay. I don't know if you, you thought about that in your, your I, list here and keeping I've, them. I've, co- I've coined that myself then. Yes, I do. Believe yeah. So I'm just going to quote it back to you. Run it back. Okay. But I think Ollie, to me, you, you want him to go on loan to Norwich to again. So that's your thing. You, you think that's <laughs> no, good for the player? I want him to go to the that's, championship. No, <laughs> that's your, that's your thing. Okay. So Dan's about the players. He wants them to go back to Norwich. That's fun. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Wait. Oh, it's reset time. Yeah, it's reset time. I mean, we. I mean, uh, Brand talked about it earlier with with Ruben going on loan to Fulham. This is how I envisioned that loan at the beginning of this season. It was literally just about getting pure minutes, but unfortunately, it kind of graduated into almost like a grotesque, like, worst possible situation where. Daniel Farker towards the end of his time at Norwich was basically blaming him for the system not working, even though like the midfielder alongside him that had essentially been uh, Farker's man on the pitch was injured. So like the system was never going to work. Right. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, it it just, just from the start that the problem I have is it's quite ominous. The graduation from, you know, at the end of Lampard, you know, everyone remembers the 4 0 or the 2 0 against Liverpool, the 4 0 against Everton, and how high we were on Billy at that time uh, before lockdown. And, you know, the wave he was riding when you know, he, just, he just got his senior call up for Scotland. And then Tuchel starts talking about his height and how it may not be reflective of like being able to be physical enough at the top level. And then he gets sent on loan to Norwich. And what I really need to see this season is just the Billy we know because like his talent is undeniable. Um, he needs to be around players who are of his level. You know, he's, he's not, he's not someone who can just monster an entire team by himself because that's his frame, but he can play people off the park. Like he is technically proficient. So if he stays here, he has to get serious minutes. I'm with Nick. Otherwise he has to get a loan that is not a, a club that needs to stay in the championship because quite frankly that squad was never designed to stay up so i mean it's all it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy at the time and speaking of players who frank lampard is targeting uh you know billy is definitely someone on everton's radar right now and it and that's not just for loans they're like aggressively targeting him to see if tuchel really wants to keep hold of him so this is a decision we need to make this summer well, there's that. I would love to see him on loan at Brighton. I think he would 
fit in there. Um, maybe even Wolves, just with their attacking players, they can. He can slot in behind and some things. But um, this is kind of interesting. So with Billy, right? He had an, he, he probably grew a lot as a as a professional this last season. My gosh, I mean the amount of adversity they went through and like you know kind of having to fight through uh, Farka and then obviously Dean Smith coming in. But part of the equation isn't just how Billy's loan went because Connor Gallagher next up, we're a clean sweep on this on this panel of keeping him because his loan went so much better than Billy's. And, and, and Billy, unfortunately, went from the next one in line to he's fallen back. And now Connor, for all of us, it's not, it's not even a question. Connor is going in the team. He's, he's going to be there for preseason. We're going to see him stay. The audience with a 98% keep, a few people with a loan, and even someone who wants to sell. Um, I, I think we sold the youth players last year, right? We cashed in on all of them. That we're not at a time where you know we're we're ready to just you know sell off another five you know high highly rated prospects. So Dan Connor with one N, what's the word? I mean, he tore it up at Palace. Look, one N, three N, five Ns doesn't fucking matter. Connor Gallagher is going to help transform this midfield and add some forward play to it. In the you know you talk about the creativity that this midfield was maybe lacking in terms of chance creation last season, and you look at what Connor was able to do uh, running in, crashing the box, assists, goals. He really did it all, and I think as someone who thought that this Palace team might really struggle and was concerned, uh, particularly after how Connor was basically back to back seasons of really good loan, really good loan, thought it might stall out, and he's like. No, nah, Dan, you're an idiot. I'm going to prove you wrong. And had an amazing loan. Couldn't and agree so, more with Connor, by the way. I know. You know Major Con- Connor, Connor fan. With, Connor with three ends definitely <laughs> thought I was an idiot. Connor with one end was like, I'll give you a mulligan on that one. But it, just in general, very, very great loan. Super excited to see him back in this team. And I think, Nick, it, you know, this is one to be really excited about because he was doing it at a Premier League level. He was doing it some really good opposition. Palace had some sneaky good results against teams like Man City uh, multiple times. And uh, Connor played a part in that. So uh, I, I think you've seen everything you needed to to figure out. And I, I, I don't care what people are like, well, where does he fit? And how do we figure out? Like, good players fit in sides. And a good manager, uh, or like we have a great manager, will figure out how to make it work. He's been successful everywhere he went, too. I mean, he's climbed the loan ladder like two rungs at a time. He would like the be in loan ladder. I like he'd that. be like in League Two for half a season, too good. In League One for the back half season. Oh, too good. Championship. Oh, too good. Premier League. Premier League. Premier League. Like Connor's killed it. Nick, he was their full senior player of the season. Like not young yeah. player of the season. No, no, no. He walked in as a loan player and just took that award. Sorry, Zaha. Sorry, you know, to the all the other full pros there. Like Connor bossed yeah. it. This is 37 matches started for Palace, 3,200 minutes, eight goals, five assists, 39 matches in total played. Um, I think the only matches he missed were against us when he couldn't play against us. Um, and was pissed. Yeah, well, whatever. I, of course you keep Connor if, if, you, uh, if you can come to some sort of agreement on how he plays. But, I mean, this is another one, too. This is a really difficult one where... You got a player who's entering 
a really good patch in his career, needs to play, is likely to be a part of the England World Cup squad, I'd say, if, if he stays on form. And here here's the the weird scenario with Connor. Like, I want him to be a Chelsea player unequivocally. If someone comes in with a ludicrous offer for him, you you have to consider it. Um, What's and not ludicrous? because thirty ludic- ludicrous is over fifty million pounds mm-hmm. for sure. Um, for for a player with one season of like really prime time Premier League minutes, like you would have to come in West Brom. Like, yeah, okay, New- Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, like. There could be that scenario this summer. Like, real quick, let me clarify. Dan. See- I'm not saying. I'm saying he had two oh, seasons I, I saying- at, at West Brom and Premier League. He's done it two seasons in a row in the Premier League. Yeah, I, I was. I was saying like, who, who's yeah. going to come in with 50 million? Like the English stu- PSG. Stupid, stupid new money would be. Yeah, it would, would be Newcastle. But beyond that, it's, like, I- it's not out of the realm of possibility though. Like, he's a player that excites a fan base. He's a player that is a young English talent, um, and. You know, 13 goal contributions with a future prospect to probably get more. I I don't I think I don't understand where he quite fits right now, which is why I'm saying that. But I do think that he could either play in the midfield or he could sub in for Mason as like the pressing forward, too, which is really exciting. And I, I see a ton of potential with him. And this is not me wanting to sell Connor, but I see that scenario as a very real possibility. One thing, too, Ollie, which we are far too basic to factor this into our squad building but you do have homegrown spots and things to take into account as well mm-hmm. um we know that there's That's a good point. The english tax and things like that so you know connor in that sense because it got really hairy right at the end of last season of how we're going to fill some of those slots uh he definitely takes away some of the headaches that um other players would create yeah i just think he's too good not to I think he's too good not to to bring back. I mean, you're talking about the Academy Player of the Year, West Brom, I believe, it was potentially a Player of the Year there, even and young, I think he was yeah, young, young player. player. Of the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're talking about Senior Player of the Year at Chris Palace. This guy, everything you put in front of him, he's going to obliterate. Like he is driven, like like Reese James or Mason Mount. This is this is someone who's come through Cobham. And just every kind of barrier he has, he runs through. He's a juggernaut, right? He has physicality. He plays big. Like, pe- people kind of look at him and his physique and they're like, oh, I'm not really sure. Like he, uh, But he he plays big. He's, he's a strong guy. He has, a, like, an immense toolkit for his age, like what he can do. And this is part of the reason why I was so bullish about Palace finishing you know, where, where they did this season was because they were building the team around him. Like Vieira was explicitly saying, we have an aging midfield. We're bl- we're bringing this guy in to essentially fast track everything we're doing. And they're going to have a serious issue replacing him this summer because he made everything they do work. Um, I just, I, and also you're talking about uh, someone who Tuchel really loves. Like Tuchel found it hard to say, Yes, you can go on loan last summer, you know, off the back of the West Brom loan, um, and and now you're talking about a guy who, as Nick says, like it's not out of the realms of possibility that that a super club bets on this kind of guy, right? Because he is he is a Mason Mount a year and year and a half ago. Um, he is he is a guy that you bet on long term, 
Um, so for me, I just, yeah, I, it's 100%, 100% in serious minutes. You know, we're talking about Mason Mount being our, our best goal could contribute to this season. Get, you know, Gallagher can do, can do what Mace does. Like, and, and he has done through the youth team. Uh, they can even play eights together if you move to a three in midfield. So, you know, I'm just looking to, I'm just looking forward to see how he fits in. Again, credit to Connor for forcing this type of a decision on the club. Um, that dude is relentless. He doesn't give up. Um, and I think that he'll, he'll do whatever you want, uh, like, you know, on the pitch for him. Um, you got to love that he's, he, uh, loves the caution 10 last season, uh, no red cards. So it sounds like he also knows kind of the balance of what he can and can't do. So anyways, that wraps up the mids. All right. The midfields are done. So we should go around and recap where our squads are at. Remember we got five open slots. Uh, I had one in the goalkeeper spot, two in the defender spot, and I, uh, am keeping Kovacic, Kante, Ruben, Connor, and I'm actually going to just double down and put both of my open slots that I have remaining in the midfield. Quite honestly, don't mm. think we need any attackers. We have far too many. What we do need are creators. Uh, we need a different style in the midfield. I think um, this is, to me, the. F- I think we can solve a lot of problems in attack if we solve the midfield, whether it's balance, uh, shape, uh, or skill set as well. So, uh, Dan. So, this is why Brandon picked up the double red card here. It's because he knew he was done with the open spots. And he's like, oh, I don't need to be on the next pod. We're I good. will be on the next pod. I don't think that was out of line at all. It's like saying that Drinkwater didn't have issues in Burnley, of all places. Oh, like, there, well, there's documented. no VAR here. So, there's, there's nobody you can, you know, I appeal this don't to. Don't need your permission. Um, Dan, how shitty does your squad look? Yeah, damn. Uh, my, my squad's <laughs> shaping up to be perfectly fine. Um, you know, two open spots in the uh, defense that we need to go fill. Uh, kept Jorginho, Koba, Conte, uh, Rubenov, Deshik, and uh, Connor with one open spot. One uh, wonderful rice size hole, uh, jasmine size hole to fill. Uh, and uh, we, we just need to make sure that we Does bring in the, rice uh, the appropriate solve import. the creative problems? I mean, like, you have Rice, Jorginho, Conte, Ruben, and Connor. Kova's, like, you're only I mean, really are you, are attacking you, player. Are you technically playing a, a 3-4-3, or maybe you're playing a 4-3-3? I just, I just don't... <gasps> I just you're pushing that, somebody back? I just think that, you know, you only got a little bit of room. All right, I'm, anyways. I'm operating 3-4-3. I'm operating um, yeah. Emphatic I, decision. <laughs> came out of nowhere. This I is mean, what I'm doing! <laughs> We we teed it up as wingbacks and not fullbacks, so I don't know. Uh, but there I go, messing with the rules again. Classic me. No, just appreciate uh, your confidence. Yeah, Kovacic, Conte, Ruben Loftus Cheek, Billy Gilmore, Connor, and uh, and look, you buy Declan Rice and you figure out the other midfielder next year. I don't think that other player necessarily exists that like creator type that we need in this window at least from what i can tell um maybe there is a player out there that's sneaky under the radar that we're we're gonna find but i i think with the five subs and with the health issues for at least three of those five players uh you're gonna need a player who's dependable reliable and can fulfill that dm role so declan rice codename jasmine all right, Ollie, over to you, sir. Yeah, so I'm. Uh, I've got Cover, Kante, Connor, Ruben. Only if he gets serious minutes. That's the it's complicated bit. Um, so I'm not committing to one of my spots there. 
And yeah, you go for Declan. Next next season, if we do this again, uh, I would have Jude Bellingham at 2023. But this season, you have to go all out for Declan. I have a you're, strong you're, suspicion that he would say yes. <laughs> you're you're in a you're light in midfield, my guy. You're, you're really you're risking it. There's a bunch of risks. I, I, I feel like he might be thinking differently about how he pushes someone back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Has has there has there been such alignment around a single player like Declan? Like usually there's there's some opposition to things, but not, I not if you ask Twitter. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, is like it seems like he's universally accepted as like the perfect puzzle piece that's missing. It's it's kind of surprising. It's so fucking obvious. Like <laughs> I just don't I you know, look, this is not a Declan Rice special, but like give me a fucking break. He does all the shit that we need a person in that role to do, and he actually wants to be at our club, unlike other high value signings. So thumbs up. Yeah, we approved. we had the opportunity to buy <laughs> thumbs up, huh? <laughs> we had the opportunity to buy too many last summer. We did not take it up. We got Saul instead. Uh, and where we are now is it's basically Declan or someone of a lesser caliber, like a Sangari, and they are not up to solving an issue where you've had two world-leading midfielders running down to the end of their careers. you got to go big. Well, big it is. So uh, that's going to wrap us up. Part two. All right. So again, a reminder, if you somehow missed the goalkeepers and defenders and wingbacks, that is part one out there ready to go. Uh, part three is going to be coming up attackers right so uh plenty of movement going to be going around in the attack uh, after the season ended so again uh thank you to everyone who's listening part three coming at you next so until next time you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high